0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit JDPower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or SleepNumber.com. Hi, I'm Stephanie Scheller. I am a speaker, an entrepreneur, an author. I've worked with 700-plus companies over the past decade or so, helping figure out what made these guys work and these guys struggle. And over the past decade, I have spent time breaking down everything from sales to marketing to systems. I've been a TED speaker, I was a Forbes 30 Under 30 nominee, and I've dedicated my life to teaching other small business owners the same skills that I learned back in 2014 that allowed me to completely replace my full-time income and walk away from my job in under five months.
2: All right, there we are. Today, we're talking to Stephanie Scheller, Stephanie took the business world by storm. After three years in corporate America, she ramped up her sales training and coaching business in only four and a half months, which is uh, crazy, to completely replace her corporate income and walked away to run Sheller Enterprises, a company focused on disrupting the way the world goes into and stays in business. Um, He also founded Grow Disrupt, a company passionate about helping business owners look at their business with different eyes to find opportunities to grow and streamline. So Welcome.
0: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yay!
2: Well, I first... I don't know if you reached out to me or I reached out to you, but either way, I went to YouTube and looked at your videos, and they're (laughs) awesome. So we're going to put the links up, too. I recommend anybody go over and and take a look at them. Uh, You're very positive and and motivating, and hopefully we can help out some people today.
0: That's what I try, you know, and especially... I I was actually chatting with a lady earlier. She goes, I just love going to your Facebook feed because... (sighs) I just feel so much better after I watch some of your videos. I was like, that's good. I appreciate hearing that because that's what we're going for.
2: And that has to make you feel good.
0: It does. It, it does because it, it's kind of like this affirmation of like, okay, you know, every video we create, we go, okay, what's the, what's the takeaway? What's the purpose, right? Video content, whatever we're doing, right? What do we want people What's the goal? What are we trying to make happen? How do we want people to feel? What do we want them to think? And so every video is done this way, right? We put all this emphasis into this. And so to hear it's actually working. I'm like, yes. Awesome.
2: <laughs> do you get to like step back and uh, enjoy that?
0: Yeah. I, I, well, like when you say step back and enjoy that, like, do I get to take a minute and and, and revel in the in what she told me? Or
2: Yes. Can you appreciate that you're helping people?
0: I can. And, and, you know, what's been interesting is especially over the past 18, 18 to 24 months, I've had a lot of people who have just started coming out of the woodworks with, you know, stories for me about how I've impacted them over the past five years, almost six years now, um, next month will be six years and uh, all these things, you know, and, and what's real, it's just been crazy because I'm hearing stories about people who were ready to shut down their business And like I had one guy, uh, Robert, he came to me and he's an ongoing client. He goes, you know, Steph, can I I tell you when I I, I attended the class and then your assistant called me to set up in a time for us to chat. And um, as she called me, I was looking at a spreadsheet on my computer, trying to figure out how to sell out my inventory so I could shut the business down. He goes, and when we got on the phone and you asked me, where do you see the business in 10 years? it was all I could do not to laugh because I didn't want to admit that I was trying to shut the stupid thing down. <laughs> he goes, and then you, you know, convinced me to, to get going with this part. Like he goes, you saved the business. Like we would not be here three years. Yeah. Two and a half years later. If, if I'd done my thing my way. And now he's, you know, he's providing, um, he's taking, he's got a whole team of people that he's part of Like these people's income and he's able to actually take care of them. And he is actually like, he was telling me about some of the things that have happened in his life and where he's getting to go with his life now and the things he's getting to do and how excited he is that he can do this. Whereas if he was working a corporate job, he wouldn't have the flexibility that he has now to do the stuff that he's wanted the, the passion projects he's get having time to jump into. And that was like, and that's like the third or fourth story. And he told me the story last year. And this was like in the span of two weeks, I heard like three or four of these stories, of similar people going, yeah, you didn't know it. Cause I was never going to tell you, but I was shutting it down. And I'm like, cool. I mean, I'm oh. I'm glad. <laughs> that's amazing. I didn't realize you were like that broken. And they were like, yeah, it was pretty bad. So it's been very, like that, someone asked me the other day, they were like, What gets you up in the morning? What brings you to work? I'm like, That does those mm. stories. Like hearing that is freaking awesome. It just feels so good.
2: Where where does that passion go from from business owners? it goes. I mean, it 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 fluctuates, it goes. It's like a roller coaster. It goes up, it goes yep. down. You know, I wanna close, I wanna open, I'm you know, I'm motivated, I'm not.
0: I think it, so it's the, the thing is it's the day to day, right? Cause when you're dealing, I use this analogy of like, imagine you're on a dirt road walking towards the golden mountain, right? Olympus, you're, you're aiming to reach this beautiful height and become this amazing person. And the problem is you're walking on a dirt road that has potholes and sharp stones and you're barefoot and there's, you know, snakes. So, so you're, aiming for this thing but you're having to look down and like you know avoid stepping in this pothole and and you know jump over the snake and you know this right you're having to do all these things all day long and this is dealing with employees and cash flow and wondering how you're going to make payroll and all this stuff that happens in business and what happens is you get so fixated on this one that you forget to keep moving forward and two you forget about where you're going And I think we lose that passion when we get so caught up in the day to day and we get so caught up in fixing the problems that we forget to look at the impact we're making on other people's lives. And we forget to look at where we're going and where that's going to allow us. I tell people all the time, I'm like, your business isn't a charity, but if charity matters to you, make your business successful and you can give back as much as you want to. That's your end goal then, right? That's the impact. And that's huge. And I think, I think that's where the passion goes. I think people get beat down just trying to avoid falling in a you know a hole in the road and
2: and that's a good analogy because on my end um you know we're doing a lot of painting jobs i own a painting company so mm-hmm. um occasionally we get a bad review it's going to happen yep. no matter what we do we get a bad review yep and we used to as a group fixate on that bad review why did we get this bad review we got to get that bad review off we got to take care of this bad review and somebody said to me one day, Well, what about the hundred other good ones? Yep. And I said, Oh, I I totally forgot about the good one. And I'm just fixated on this bad thing that yep. we'll forget about in another couple of weeks.
0: Yeah. Well, and like, and sometimes, you know, you can't do anything about the bad. Like, it, sometimes it's just a crazy person. Like, <laughs> It wasn't even your fault. You did nothing wrong. But they, for some reason, thought you were going to repaint the entire house for $500. You know, like they just, people are crazy sometimes. And you,
2: you must be in the painting business.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, but I've worked for the gospel. Oh, my gosh. You guys get some really cra- And they're just like, but it's just paint. I could, I could buy the paint for this for 50 bucks. Why are you charging? It's like. And buy the paint for that yourself.
2: <laughs> My dad used to say to me, he passed away now, but he's, <laughs> he used to drive me crazy. He used to say, where do you find your crazy customers at? Because he painted with us every day. <laughs> and it would drive me crazy, but now I look back and laugh about it.
0: But, right. You know, but they, it, they do, and people are just crazy. Right. I, I heard a saying that I love. It said, a person is smart. People are not i was like that's a really i like that
2: (laughs) could you can you tell me can we go backwards and can you can you kind of tell me um so you were talking about going to college before we started Mm -hmm. uh, recording um what were you going to college for
0: god okay (sighs) my degree is in equine business and facility management i was going to manage a horse barn um
1: which has nothing to do with what I'm doing right
0: now (laughs) everyone's like so did you use your degree I'm like I used three classes from my degree so that's a thirty three thousand dollars a piece for each class that I'm using um oh yeah (laughs) absolutely so that's what I went for school for I loved it while I was there I still have a horse I love my horse um I you know it's one of those things that does bring my passion back and my joy back. And I think that's another thing entrepreneurs forget is you have to have things in life that make you happy, right? It's not all about the business. And, um, and so I, am kind of glad it didn't become my, my job, you know, running a barn because it's my passion, right? That's my, that's my, that's my side, you know, hobby that I love to go do. That isn't a job. So I get to enjoy that still, as opposed to it being, You know, exhausting. So
2: where was the, where was the switch?
0: Um, well, so when I graduated, I graduated in 2011 and, um, had this realization I was applying for jobs. I didn't want to stay up north. So I went to school in Ohio and I suffer from SAD, so the seasonal affective disorder. So it really hits me hard. So the winter months were very, very challenging on me. Um, And then I also was dealing with some depression through college um, that, you know, that came on through some stuff that happened, you know, in the last couple of years of high school and then, you know, really hit hard in college when I was on the other side of the country from my family. I was, you know, miserable up there. I, I was not good at making friends, so I didn't have any friends. I didn't have I worked three jobs and I got straight A's in school like that was my life. Um, and I really struggled with that. And so when I, when I realized in my senior year that I had SAD and I struggled with depression, I was like, okay, let's, let's remove one of these from the equation. Let's go back down South for a job. Like, let's not stay where this, you know, you deal with this. And when I was down here looking, cause I'm in Texas. And so when I was down here looking for jobs, all of the, you know, equine facility management jobs I was finding were offering like $20,000 a year, $18,000 a year. And I'm sitting here going like, I can't. Pay my like I have to pay a thousand bucks a month on my student loans. I can't afford to pay my student loans and take a job in this field. And this was before they had income-based repayment plans. Like I was, I had to pay a grand a month, and so I just sat there and said, "Okay, well, you know, I, I I don't know what to do." And Plan B was, you know, I I really wasn't sure what to do. I happened to see an ad in the newspaper. That was like, do you enjoy working with small businesses on their marketing? And I had this like flashback to one of my classes junior year was a marketing class and I just loved it. And we'd have this group project to work with a nonprofit and it turned into like an internship for me because she loved how I thought and how I did marketing and all this stuff. And so I saw this ad in the newspaper. I was like, I love working with marketing and small businesses. Yes. So I called them and I got a job and I was so excited, you know, to be like this marketing consultant, helping small businesses decide, you know, how they should market their businesses. And I was, I was ecstatic my first weekend. I did, you know, was having a second weekend. I did great third weekend. I realized I was actually a sales rep and I had like this panic <sighs> moment <laughs> where I was like, ah,
1: I don't want to be in sales. Like,
0: yeah. So that was a blast. So that was how the switch happened. I, I just, literally couldn't afford to stay in my field.
2: <laughs> so, okay. So now you were in that business, mm-hmm. but then now you switched again.
0: I switched again. So we reached a point. I, I did very well with them. I was the number two sales rep for the number one division in the country for the first year. At the end of the year, they came to me and they said, Hey, do you want to take over our retention team? And after some negotiation back and forth, I said, yeah. So I take over the retention team. I, I, you know, turn it around. I took us from like 36% retention to 80 some odd percent retention in like six months, which was wow. like just blew everyone out of the water. And of course, everyone, all my bosses are still going, well, but we need to be in the 90s, right? Because, you know, it's how corporate America works. Um, and then uh, about a year and a half into running the retention team, um, there was a lot of restructuring going on in the company, and they decided that my position was no longer commission eligible. Um, they decided this like literally commission day Friday. And so I didn't get a commission. Like my paycheck shows up in my account and I'm like, Hey, that's $3,000 short.
1: <laughs> oh, <no>. What's up?
0: <laughs> and uh, I go into work and they're like, Oh yeah, no, you're not getting a commission anymore. Um, and I was just shocked for a few days. And then finally they come back and they're like, Oh, well, we're going to figure this out. We'll, we'll get you, a, we'll get you set up on a commission plan. And, I kind of, I put up with them BSing about that for about nine months before I was like, yeah, they're not actually, they finally did roll out a commission plan. That was like, I could make up to $1,200 if I hit all of the things when I'd been making like three grand a month previously. And I just remember there was one day in particular when they, they, they called me or my boss, I was at a client's office and my boss called or my boss texted me and he said, um, is a long story here, right? But so September 2013, I don't get my commission check. That's when they say, oh, you're not eligible, right? January, they say, okay, we're rolling out a new one. They roll out one that doesn't get approved. They roll out another one in February that doesn't get approved. March, they roll out one that does get approved. And my boss texts me, I'm at this client's office and he texts me and he goes, hey, Steph, um, call me when you get the chance. You're not getting a commission check again this month. I want to explain. And so I walk out of my, you know, client's office and I call him and said, you know, what's up? And he said, Oh, well, you know, there was a mistake made in your territory, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, it's not your fault, but you're not getting a commission check again. And I just had like a breakdown and I called my mom because I didn't know what else to do at that point. And I'm just crying and I'm like, I I don't know what to do. And she goes, Well, you know what? I know what to do. You're done. You you're you're walk you're done. This is this is bogus. They've been yanking your chain for months um I'm flying out to California next month I've got a you know a ticket to go to an event to learn how to be a sales trainer and you're coming with me it's a family ticket you don't have to pay anything I'll pay for your hotel or or you'll stay in my hotel room I'll pay for your plane ticket because I know you don't have any money right now because they you know screwing with you and um so I flew out there at the end of April and I came back, I started the business in May. And um, in May, I made a grand total of 50 bucks off the sales training business. <laughs> Sold like two books, it was awesome. Um, and, but by the time we got to the end of August, I added up all the numbers and I was like, oh, well, screw this. I made more money part-time than I did full-time. So I'm out. Wow. And I quit and I walked away and I started doing this full-time. And then that transitioned, well, we'll, we'll pause right there, right? Because that's it's transitioned from sales training, to the grow, disrupt stuff. But that was, that was the story. I just, I just reached a point where I said, this is it, I'm done. And I fortunately had really great people around me that, you know, picked me up and carried me through and made it work.
2: Was it so frustrating at the time that it wasn't scary when you made that change?
0: Yeah, no, I was so, I was so (laughs) I was so mad, cause so funny thing happened. Like the the week before I was about to fly out, it was commission week Friday again that April, right? And I was gonna fly out on uh, I think Thursday or Wednesday or Thursday. I was gonna fly out. My boss called me into the office and said, "Hey, heads up. I want to let you know you're not receiving a commission check again." <laughs> I was so I started crying in his office. I was so mad. And I'm getting ready to leave like the next day to fly out to California, right? And I'm so angry and I'm crying and I look at him and I said, I will be gone by October. Like, this is ridiculous. You know what I've been through at this point. This is ridiculous. I'm done. And he did the best thing that he could have done for me right there. And he laughed at me. And it like perfectly cemented. I was like, yeah, this, I was so angry. I was so upset. There was nothing standing the way I was not scared. I was not, I mean, I probably should have been a little bit, a little bit nervous. I'm sitting there at my, um, cause what I did was I set people up on reoccurring payment plans. Right. So I had some reoccurring revenue scheduled to come in. So it wasn't like I had to go, you know, hunt and kill every month. Um, but as I'm sitting at my going away party, I've got text messages from three of my five clients letting me know that they were going to have to cancel and they couldn't renew with me for, you know, one person had, you know, it was all like outside of their control. Like one person's husband was moving and so they were moving to another country and so she had to shut down the business And like all this stuff. Like I'm just sitting there at my like going away party, like trying not to look at my phone because I'm like panicking of like, I just quit. Like I just quit. (laughs) What the hell did I do? And I think that was the only panic moment I had. But other than that, I was just so angry that I I was not worried at all. It's Just mad.
2: So then, so then you had a few months. You just said of, mm-hmm. of not a lot of income coming in.
0: Yeah. Well, but- so we. What happened was um, I was like, okay. Well, you know what? I built this up. I can do this again. So I left the job anyhow. I'd been saving all the money that came in. So I had. A little bit of a nest egg right basically all the money that came in i didn't spend it it just went into a savings account so um everything just got you know chunked away chunked away chunked away um and i i went out and it was interesting because i think that's something a lot of people deal with when i went from working a corporate job and working this i had a ton of structure right so You leave here by seven in the morning to get to work. You are back home by six, six 6.30, you get dinner, you go to work, right? You work until 11, you go to bed, you're back up by 3.30, 4.30, you're working for a few hours, get ready, get out the door. Um, And so there's all this structure. And then when I quit, there was like no structure. And so not only did I lose all this revenue, but I was super confident I could replace it. But I lost all this revenue um, and I didn't have any structures in place. So I thought I was going to rebuild it all really quickly, but I ended up getting falling into this kind of lazy rut and being like, ah, but you know what, if I could make that business, that money while I was working full-time, of course I can make it now. And it was about middle of October. So, so I quit the end of August, right? They made me work my last two weeks out. So I worked my last two weeks. Um, by the end of September, those guys had all not renewed, right? So October's going on halfway through October. I'm realizing like, oh my gosh like that was when i had my next panic moment of like my god revenue sucks like i'm in trouble (laughs) i'm gonna like i had to transfer money to pay bills right out of the savings account and and that was when i had my like oh crap i gotta do something different now
2: and how did you turn that around
0: um so a couple of key things one one of the smartest things i did i reached out to my coach which was I, I still kind of count that as like a lifesaver moment because he was the one who pointed. cause I, I, I reached out and I was complaining about how, you know, people are, you know, I can't close anything. People are stupid. No one wants to spend money this time of year, blah, 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 blah. Right. All the excuses we kind of put in our heads when, when we're not closing deals, right. You know, people don't want to talk to me. People aren't on social media. People aren't people that, and he was the one who said, okay, well let's look at your sales tracker. How many, how many uh, outbound reaches have you actually done to generate sales? Okay. Well, that's not a very high number, but you know, how many of those guys have actually set appointments? Okay. That's, that's, that's about the same percentage you were at before, except you're not doing the sales activity right now. Mm -hmm. So of course you have fewer appointments, which means you're getting fewer sales. So what are you going to fix? And it was like, Oh, so it was him. He brought me back one to the sale, the sales activity I was doing. And the two, he was the one who actually said, okay, where's your dream boards like where are your goals where are you headed and he got me refocused on that that mountain right because I was back into that you know getting my head hit you know look down just try and look down just try and pay attention to not falling over and he was the one who got me refocused on the long-term goals and got me refocused on sales activity so that I could get the sales built back up and mm. it was a scary month but um, we did turn it around fairly quickly um, by November I think I'd replaced all of the all the clients that I lost and started was adding from there. So it was a, this is a little bit of a stressful period though.
2: So it's very similar. I'm going to jump around a little bit because it's very similar to how things are right now for, for many people. Um, yep. just us, for example, you know, we're in Pennsylvania. They, they shut down most of the businesses, although we are allowed to work. We're allowed to work here and there. Right. Um, but, you know, income's not the same. Cash flow is not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, people aren't scheduling. They're not thinking about painting the inside of their house right now. Right. Um, what's the business person do? What do you do? <laughs> panic?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so here's my rule. You know what? If you need to panic and you need to have a moment of sitting on the couch, curled up under a blanket with a bottle of wine, then you're allowed to go do that for up to a day and a half. And then you got to move on. Like, if you need to get that out of your system, I'm telling everyone because I've had some, you know, I had someone who was getting mad at me. They were like, Well, I can't believe you're encouraging people to, to keep working and trying to grow their business through this. You're, you're, what, what is, she? I don't remember. You're shaming people who just need space or so. I don't remember what she was going off about. But she's like, You know, some people just need space to process. And I was just like, some people are in grieving mode and blah, 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 blah. I was like, okay, but here's the deal. You can only grieve for so long, like before you have to do something about it. Because when you let yourself get into grief mode, and I can speak to this because this is exactly what happened to me in college, right? When you let yourself sit in that grief mode, it turns into depression. And now you're spiraling down and now you don't have the energy to try and do anything to fix your life. I'm a big believer. Here's my little late. Like, i I'm getting all heated over here. Uh, I'm a big believer. We have control over our lives. Like the choices you make today and tomorrow will impact where you end up 10 years from now. The question is, what choices are you making? And if you're choosing not to choose, it's still a choice. Mm. And so, you know, if you need that space, that's cool. Take a little bit of space. But here's the thing. You can't give yourself a week or a month. I've had people come to me and say, well, I'm so busy chasing my kids. I can't do anything in my business. I'm like, You're gonna have to set some boundaries, okay? You're gonna, you gotta do. There's three things that you can do right now to work on growing your business because I'm a huge believer that businesses are gonna come out of this on the other side. Some businesses are not going to come out on the other side, which sucks, but some businesses are gonna come out a lot stronger, a lot better for this. See, right now, your competition is terrified, right? Everyone's quiet, everyone's doing nothing. Right now, whereas previously when you're marketing your business, you're trying to like eke market share away from your competition. Right now, the market's empty. Like, go take as much market share as you can, market your business. Now, here's the key because now people go, well, you know, how do you market your business in the midst of all of this and, you know, without seeming crass, which is a really good point. So, the key to being able to market right now in a way that's actually going to make an impact is to go back to your marketing message. Okay. So what is the message you're communicating? And this isn't your tagline, right? This is, I was working with a a pressure washing guy and I said, okay, we need a marketing message. And he was like, well, I think we should say something like sparkling clean saves dreams or something. It was something he was trying to come up with something catchy and fun. And I said, no, the marketing message is the story that you're selling people. Right? So if you look at a K Jewelers ads, um, and I use K-jewelers for a lot of examples with this because they're very, they're out there. A lot of people have seen their ads. And I said, if you look at every single one of their ads, what do they do? They bring two people together. So their tagline is every kiss begins with K. And what they're trying to tell you is if you buy a piece of jewelry, you know, you you get a kiss, right? But what they're really selling you is we create special moments between people that last and that's the marketing message. And I said. So I looked at this guy and I said, we need a marketing message for you, right? What is it people are actually buying when they're buying a pressure wash driveway, siding, roof, right? They're buying that feeling when they drive up and it feels good, feels clean. Everything feels brighter. Life is better. That's the marketing message. You deserve to feel better when you pull up. When you come home, when you show up to work, whatever it is, right? So we went from pressure washing to this marketing message about you deserve to feel better, right? You deserve to feel happy, excited. Okay, so now that we have a marketing message, now we can say, okay, how do we take this message and apply it to the circumstances going on today? So how can we say, okay, we believe that you deserve to feel better with your life. So here's three things you can go do today to make your house feel a little less cluttered. Right. And so now I'm talking and I'm promoting my marketing message. And I have something to talk about that's relevant, that's not fear based, that's not beating people down, that's not scaring people, that people want to hear. And so I now have something to talk about, and the rest of my competition is too scared to speak up. So that's how you market right now. So that's the first one. The second one is strategy, coming back to that long-term strategy. Right now, it's hard to to lay a strategy for six weeks from today, right? Everyone's like, what are we going to be doing in four weeks? I don't know. Can't tell you that one. <laughs> um, but you can look at where do I want to be in 10 years, right? One of my favorite quotes is the Tony Robbins quote where he says, you know, the human being often uh, overestimates what they can accomplish in a year and underestimates what they can accomplish in 10, 20, or 30, So refocusing on those long-term goals. And then when you're focused, okay, I want to be here in 10 years, you can say, okay, by the end of this year, I need to be here, right? And so you can set a more intermediate goal, but it gets you, it keeps you again from being caught up in the ruts in the road. And then the last thing that I'm encouraging people to work on is mindset. Um, You know, if you deal with depression, if you deal with anxiety, I know a lot of entrepreneurs who are, you know, a lot of times entrepreneurs are ADD. I don't know if you are. I'm definitely ADD. Um, and and I, I think with that comes this anxiety, right? This voice in the back of your head that will shut up. That's going and going and going. And so now is the time to do some meditation and read some books and pick up some tools to deal with the stories in your head, to deal with the mindsets that are causing problems for you. And so that's what I keep telling people. I'm like, there's three things you can do. You can market your business in a nice, in a good way. You can look at your long-term strategy and reset your strategy, and you can work on building your mental tools for handling this stuff.
2: Awesome. That's that's awesome. And I, you know, I think one, for me, I mean, I'm a good example. So I have everything you just said. Um, you know, I'm not out doing sales calls and estimates in person every day. Right. So that took up a lot of chunk of my mind space. Mm -hmm. Um, so now we're, we're switching it. I I really think this is a great opportunity, not, you know, barring all the bad things that are happening. It's a great opportunity for a business who will hustle and figure out a way to make it happen. So, I mean, we've went to virtual estimates, we've went to, to video emails. Um, we've went to anything we can possibly do to, to, to keep it on top of their mind, uh, and to plan as we go forward. And, um, for us, it's it's we'll, we'll we'll be fine on the other end of it um yeah. another good thing is there's going to be a lot of talent available yeah right um, so that's that's like um inspiring for us because <laughs> right? we can find a lot of great people
0: I know, because um, that's that... been a challenge for the past few years, has been finding good people. They've yes. all been employed. They've all been caught up. So now, I mean, there's there's pros and cons, right? It, it sucks to have to go through a recession, but there are definitely some silver, there's some silver lining there, right? Like find, mm-hmm. being able to hire great people. Some of the best people in the world are going to be available for you to hire right now for your business. And of course, some people are sitting here going, yeah, but now I have no cash to hire them. Um, well, that's a different conversation, but- <laughs>
2: Everything will work out. It will
0: absolutely. Can we talk
2: about uh, Grow Disrupt? Can you yes. tell us about?
0: It? Yeah. So Grow Disrupt. <coughs> Grow Disrupt stemmed from um, when we started the business and we were doing sales training. Um, there was, we were doing these two-day sales scripting workshops. And so we would have people who'd buy these tickets, they would come in, we'd walk them through the curriculum, and it was me and one other trainer. And I just remember at the end of one of the events, um, my trainer made a comment to me that kind of made me pause for a second and really caught my attention. Um, And I don't remember exactly how she phrased it, but she basically said something to the effect of, can I work with the small business owners too? Because when we would get onto the exercise portions, where people are drawing working stuff out right i would assign her to go work with the sales reps so we would get a mix of business owners who are building their you know for their business and then we'd get sales reps who are working inside another company and building it for you know another company and so i would always assign for her to go work with the sales reps not realizing i mean i just i just had more fun working with the small business owners and so there was this moment of oh like when when she asked that i was like Interesting. Like I'm much more passionate, much more excited about working with small businesses. I had a coaching practice that I ran on the side where when I left my corporate job, um, a bunch of my, my clients called me up and just said, hey, you know, your replacement kind of sucks. You know, you used to work with us on our marketing and, you know, help us design. Like you actually were like helpful. Your replacement doesn't do any of that. How much would it cost for us to work with you? So I'd always had this like practice of, of clients that I worked with that were coaching clients and they were all small business owners. And so I had this realization of like, I really, where I get passionate and excited about is working with small business owners. And when I started to look at where do I see this in 10 years, 15 years and really get serious about it, I was like, yeah, I don't see this being a sales training business. I see us helping small businesses. And so I started looking at, okay, well, how do I want to do that? Do we want to be a coach? And we went through like Like I, you know, I tell everyone, I'm like, it was like this, this identity crisis that went on for like six months of trying to figure out, okay, what do we do now? Right. We're still running the sales training stuff. Um, it was faltering a little bit because whereas previously I've been all in on it. Now I'm like trying to figure out what am I doing here? Um, and so I decided, okay, I want to put on events for small businesses and I want to, cause I don't know everything, right? I can't put on the, the, like I can do a training event. I'm really good at marketing. I'm really good at sales and I'm really good at, you know, the psychology side of people managing people. Um, but I'm not the expert in everything in business. And so we started putting on, we put on our first big event where we brought in speakers from all over the country um, in 2017. Um, So we started working on that 2016 and put it on in January, 2017. And that was when I was like, okay, this is what I love to do. And that was when we officially made the transition. And I said, okay, we're an events company. We put on events, we design the agenda, we find the speakers, we book the venue, we book the caterers, we sell the tickets and our events are going to be application-focused, whereas a lot of events you go to, you get speakers on stage who are, like, you know, giving you a great idea, but, oh, if you want to apply it, you're going to need to hire me for another $30,000. So I said, that's bull. We're not doing that. We're not allowing sales from the front of the room at our events, period, um, for starters, for second, Um Our events need to show our business owners how to do it, do what they're talking about. So we're going to go out and we're going to find the business, the the speakers who have actually accomplished what they're talking about, right? I don't want the the professors who, you know, had a business back in the 80s, like the business arena has changed. So we're going to find speakers who are active and currently have multiple businesses where they're applying these concepts to create successful, massive growth. Right, where they're not so far removed from the guys in the audience, right, that that they, they can't relate to where these small business owners are at so we went out and started finding business owners who were like who were successful and had done what they wanted what they were talking about multiple times right no this isn't theory so we wanted them to come in and say okay i've applied this across this many businesses here's what you need to do to create this result and then i wanted them to walk them through this and so that's those are the hallmarks of our events our speakers are like they're the real deal. You may not have heard of them, but they're out there running six companies successfully, and they're, you know, they they are the expert in their area, and they're going to show you how to do it for your business. And that was where I started to really, that was where I really found what I got passionate about. And so we rebranded the company in 2018 to become Grow Disrupt, which is the event company.
2: How how has the uh, the pandemic affected business right now? Obviously, you can't go out and have uh, functions.
0: Right. So um, the good news is we've always done some of our events online, some of our events offline. So that was helpful because, you know, it made the transition to online events not that difficult because we were already very familiar with it. Um, The challenge has been the live events we did have planned for this year all got pushed. So um, fortunately for us, everything happened early enough in the year that we hadn't signed any contracts yet. So (laughs) we were able to just push everything out um, and we're basically just running the calendar of events that was going to run this year is going to run in 2021 instead. And we added a couple of new events that we weren't going to launch for a couple of years that, we, that were digital events. We just moved them up. So it was about a two week period of panicking and trying to figure out what the flipping heck we were going to do. Um, but it was, it was doable. We'll put it that way.
2: <laughs> so we just pushed them backwards, and, but yeah, uh... pushed
0: stuff out, brought stuff in and, and um, it's so far going pretty well. I'm actually really impressed with, we We just landed on our new agenda of stuff last week. So I'm really impressed. I was seeing stuff come in from my team today and I was like, hey, they did good. Hey, that looks great. Oh, good, That's <laughs> Yeah. good. Yeah,
2: so. Um, have you found everybody's pretty open to to changing those dates?
0: Perfect. they are well so the you know the the one event that we've sold a bunch of tickets to already our our annual grow retreat which is that that it was the first event it's gone through some evolutions and now it's this now it's this event that like all of our business owners go nuts over we've already sold 50 percent of our tickets to next year's event and it's you know we're filming this at the beginning of april um we'd sold 50 percent of our tickets you know like a month ago already. So we, you know, and we're still selling tickets, which has been interesting because I've had a lot of people who are saying, well, you know, I'm sure you're not selling. I'm like, no, actually, we're still selling two to three tickets. Like, like we're still it, they're trickling, but we're still selling tickets. People aren't afraid to write and especially I think it helps that the event is not until January. So people aren't worried about that. And there's a lot of trust that goes on where people are like, OK, I know if something does happen, Steph will make it right by us. Like Steph will take care of us. So, um, you know, I forgot what the original question was. That was my ADD there. Um,
2: (laughs) the question just was, have, have, has everybody been open to, to changing the dates for you guys or have they just said, you know what, I'm, I'll forget it.
0: We've, you know what, we really haven't, we've had, we've had one person, one person that was like, "Eh," but everyone else has been, has been fine. I mean, the. Like I said, the one the one that we have actually sold tickets to, we're not changing the date because that's not till next January. The rest of them we hadn't sold tickets to yet, so it wasn't a huge hairy deal. Um, and we're replacing them with other stuff. So even if we had sold, like we've got some digital events going, but we didn't have to change anything for those events because they're digital, they're online. So we we actually have not. I know a couple of events I was going to had moments of like where they were changing their dates. And so they were reaching out and I mean, I didn't have a problem with them reaching out to say, Hey, we're rescheduling. Cause you know, we don't want you flying to New York right now. Right. I really appreciated that actually. So
2: yeah. And it's been our <laughs> same experience. We've had nobody cancel. Yeah. We've actually been sales wise busier.
0: I know we have too, which has been, I feel like either your company is like busier or dead. Like I don't feel like there's an in-between right now.
2: Right. Now, uh, in this day and age, if you go on Twitter, it seems like everybody has side hustles. Um, I know I do. Uh, the, the issue starts to become when that side hustle gets larger and larger and larger, and maybe I'm running out of time for my regular business. Yeah. What's, what's a person do?
0: Well, so that's where you've got to look at where, like, where are you really passionate about? And if they're sitting here saying, well, I love my side hustle, The business pays me, Steph, right? So I got to keep the business going. Well, then it's time for you to become a true business owner of your business and not a business operator. If you don't want to be involved in the business, here's the thing. A lot of times business owners forget that you as the business owner should be taking profit distributions. And if you work inside the business, you should take a paycheck, right? But you're the owner. So you should get profit distributions. Think about this. If you own stock in Apple... And let's say you got your profit distribution one week or, or let's say, let's say you got a letter from Apple saying, Hey, by the way, if you want your profit distribution, you're going to need to show up at our offices and work for a week next week. You'd be like, yeah, screw that. Like, no, right. I gave you my money to you to leverage operating cash. You're supposed to pay me a profit distribution. I don't have to show up to work for this, but so many small business owners do this. They show up to work. They either take a paycheck or they take profit distributions. Okay. What I've I have i am very closely aligned with Mike McCallowitz's concepts. Have you heard of Mike? hmm Yep. Yep. Yeah, the profit first stuff. Do you have there,
2: his book? Somewhere. Yep. I do.
0: So I actually have two of his books over here on my desk. I have way too many books on my desk. So I've got profit first, which I leave on the desk because I reference it all the time, and then I actually have his next one, the Fix This Next book, which isn't out until the end of <laughs> April, and it is really an awesome book. Um, I'm just loving reading it so good. I'm doing some stuff with him. So that's how I got an advanced coffee, but, um, I'm a big believer in that profit first concept. You should take profit. You should take paycheck. Um, and if you don't, Like if you decide, hey, my side hustle is where I'm really enjoying this and this is where I get my sense of accomplishment and my passion and my fire and this is what I want to do with my time, then you need to work on setting up your business so that you can be the owner but you don't work in it. You pay someone else to work in it and maybe you take a 5% profit distribution once a year. But let's be real. A 5% profit distribution on, you know, let's say a a $500,000 business, right, is still – I don't think I did that number right. So <laughs> 2,500 at least, right? 2,500 yes. or 25,000. That's still You're still making money for being the owner, right? And you have to show up and do a couple little things, but you can free up your time. And so if you decide you would rather spend money on the side hustle or spend time on the side hustle and turn it into a real paycheck and you want to get your paycheck over here, then your job is to replace yourself inside your inside your business so that you can spend your time over here in the side hustle and you don't spend time over here. You hire someone else to do that for you.
2: Good point. Can't do both. I I, I don't know if I could do both.
0: Um, I, I feel like that's a, such a, such a trap when people are like, Oh, you know, best of both worlds. I'm going to, I'm like, I feel like, I feel like being responsible for, you know, two sales and two marketings and two fulfillments and two teams. that's, that's really challenging. Even if you think about like the major investors, like they have teams of people and they literally just meet with teams of people who run everything all day and they just make decisions on it. Right. Like, but I think too many people try and do two things at once and, and really struggle to, to be successful with either.
2: So next question is um, the people like you and I who have that little voice in their head, how How do you shut that off at the end of the day when you go home to your family?
0: <sighs> this has been a years and years of training to make this happen. Um it's so I tell people it's a it's a muscle, right? Um, a lot of stuff, time management is a muscle. Um, goal setting is a muscle, shutting off that voice in your head is a muscle. The more you work out that muscle, right? So let's say I wanted to build like big biceps, right? I don't, but let's pretend I want to build big biceps. If I go to the gym, right? I'm going to have to work out and do, you know, the, the machines and the weights that are going to build those muscles, right? And the more I do it, the easier it's going to be. And the more I'm going to be able to take on more chat, more bigger weights, Right. Well, it's the same thing with this voice in your head, right? You're going to have to put a lot of energy. When you when you get started trying to build weight, build muscle, you put a lot of energy into moving that 20-pound weight. Okay, as you build the muscle, moving that 20-pound weight becomes a lot easier, right? And now you're doing it on autopilot. And so that's when you are starting to figure out how do I shut this voice up? How do I calm it down? How do I get it to... You know, stop chattering when I'm trying to have dinner with my family. How do I get it to, you know, stop replaying worst case scenarios in my head? Right. Cause I find that was one of my issues. That little voice would be like, well, this could happen and this could happen. Oh, and this is going to happen next. And oh my God. Right. How do I get it to shut up? And it was, it was a lot. It's repetition. So I started doing meditation. And meditation is all about just sitting and just having that quiet moment where you just, You're not focusing on thinking. And if thoughts pop up, which they do, because that little voice pops up, you just kind of watch the thought and pretend it's like a cloud in the sky. And it just goes by. And you can decide whether or not you like that or you don't. And so when I started to be able to differentiate myself from that voice, right? Because for a long time, I thought that voice was part of me. And so when I started to be able to differentiate, almost like the Emperor's New Groove, Have you seen like where Cronk's got, you know, devil Cronk and, and angel Cronk, right? It's almost like you take, you know, your devil Stephanie or your devil Ryan and you kind of hold them out here and you decide whether or not that, you know, that fits for you. And you can, when you start to analyze most of what that voice is saying, it's, it's, it's usually BS. Like There's not a lot of truth there. And so when you start, and then you can sit there and be like, well, since that's not true, okay, I don't need to listen to you right now. Right. And so it allows you to kind of toss it to say and it'll come back with something else. You say, no, no, we already had a conversation. We're done for now. Okay, you can talk again tomorrow and it allows you to start pushing it away. And the more you do this, the less power it has, the more you start to realize that most of what 99 percent of what it says is BS. Right. Um, And me for a long time, I had this like fear of like, okay, I've become successful like I have because I was able to predict the problems that might pop up and set plans to avoid them. Right. So for a long time, I was afraid to shut the voice down because I was afraid that if I shut it down, then I wouldn't be able to fix problems and, you know, I would lose my success. Um, but I realized that, you know, I can analyze stuff perfectly fine without this voice constantly going off. So I didn't lose my ability to analyze what's going on and where the problems might pop up so I can plan for that. Um, I just stopped it from constantly going off in my head because that that constant negative drain will wear you out and so I mean that was what I did it was meditation it was taking what this voice had to say and saying is that legit nope well then okay you're done no no you can't talk right now we already had a you're done right and the more you do it and the more you have that you know internal conversation the voice gets weaker and weaker and weaker to where you can actually focus on you know what you're doing with your family or even with your employees I found it was really screwing with my head with my team too um, inside the business so well, it's,
2: it's very common and uh, everything you just said is, is me so um, <laughs> you know you think you can predict the future uh you can see all the stuff that's about to happen before it happens right and um you're right a lot of times a lot of stuff does happen but sometimes yeah. you're you're trying to predict the future and it doesn't happen and you're right it drains, it drains a lot of the energy yeah. um there's a whole bunch of things that can go on with that, that you're, you're thinking negatively. Um, so good point. Um, in our business, we're in the construction business, Mm -hmm. um, which has been male dominated, um, especially in the painting business for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, so the women in our office routinely deal with these older men who are, just will not want to deal with a woman or call them sweetheart or honey or, yeah or whatever it could be. How, how can they deal with that and overcome that and, um, you know, shut these people up?
0: So I think a lot of it comes down to the attitude that you approach that. So, so people don't do the sweetheart and the honey and the kind of demeaning thing to me. And I've, I've done, I've had a lot of conversations with trades trades groups. So painters, um not necessarily painters but a lot of HVAC which has a similar similar kind of world, um plumbing which has a similar kind of situation, um and uh general contractors. And and a lot of it comes down to how you like if someone comes at me with something like that, there's this I mean, I don't know if I can do it on command, but like this just withering stare that's like
1: <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. And what's interesting is they don't come back with that again, um, and I think a lot of it comes down to how you approach that, like how you go into that conversation. That sense of, you know, a lot of women have dealt with this, with kind of being beat down so many times they start to internalize it because what you tell yourself often enough, over enough, sooner or later you will believe. And so when they, if they've been beat down and they've kind of been internalized that they're not that, you know, they're that they're, that's just what they have to deal with then they just kind of get to this point where they're just like, like it's almost like a sponge, like whatever. All right. Whereas I'm like, no, no, no. I'm an iron freaking wall, man. That stuff is running right off. Right. And it's just, it's the mindsets that I've, that I've built up, but it's also I think having a boss who's willing to go to bat for you on that stuff. Right. So with my team and my team has seen this again and again, I've told them, I'm like, if you ever get someone who's abusive to you, all you have to do is tell now here's the deal right? I, you, you just tell me. They will be off my mailing lists. They will be blocked in my phone. They will be blocked in my email. I will tell them that we don't deal with people who act like that. And so my team's very, you know, very cautious because they've all had someone who's treated them like that. And I'll go to town. For, I'll go to bat for them. I'll call clients up and be like, hey, so I heard that um, this happened. I'm sure there was some kind of misunderstanding, right? And then how they respond. If they're trying to defend what they did, done right. If they're like, uh, yeah, yeah, right. So you know, it's not like an incident blacklist type of thing. But them knowing that I've got their back gives them a lot of, a lot of strength as well. Like, okay, I I don't have to put up. You know, I can I can, you know, I can I can stand up for myself here, and I can tell them no. We don't do that. We don't act like that. I can give them a type of look and they'll back off because I know my boss has got my back. And I think that goes a long way, but I also do think like there's a lot that has to be done um, on the mental side for those women. Like there's, you know, and I'll recommend this book cautiously. Um, If the title offends you, don't go get the book. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. (laughs) Cause (laughs) if the title offends you, You're not going to like the book, okay? If you don't know what this word means, go look it up before you order the book. I had someone who said, I didn't know what a dominatrix was. I was like, oh, well, that explains why you did not like the book. Um, But it's The Inner Dominatrix Guide, Become a Badass in Business. Hmm. And it's a really great book, especially for women, on mindset and perspective. And um, there were some tools that I found really valuable out of it. Um, but yeah, if you have problems with, she, you know, author is a former dominatrix, Dana Ferrant, And if so, if that's going to bother you, don't get the book.
2: Well, I, <laughs> we'll put that link up for everybody, but I always say, uh, the customer is not always right. I'm not, yep. I don't, I don't adhere to that policy. And I, it, you know, I try to empower them to tell that person to go, um, uh, uh, F off, honestly, right. uh, just don't deal with it. You don't have to yeah. deal with it. You don't deserve it. Um, And you're not the only person they're talking to that way. So that's the bad part. So that's not just you. Yeah. They're probably talking to every woman, uh, every female who comes into their life, and maybe the one at home too. Yeah. That's not a good thing.
0: No, you could be. You could be the wake up call for them. You know, and I think women sometimes need to feel that, like, okay, because you know, if you think about it, women will oftentimes, like, we're the ones who will. Like, give and give and give as long as we're taking care of everyone else, right? This is, you know, the mom is the one who's taking care of the family, taking care of this and this and this. And until you point out that, hey, you're actually damaging the family, you're damaging other people by not taking time for yourself, right? When they realize, like, women have an easier time, for the most part, internalizing it from an external perspective. So when women start to realize, hey, by me calling this person out, I could be saving other women. Too. And possibly from something worse than just being given a derogatory look or laugh or joke, right? If I'm willing, and, and look, there's there's way, you don't have to get all in someone's face. Like someone goes, hey, sweetie, can you take care of this for me real quick? You don't have to be like, don't call me sweetie. Like, is <laughs> not what this is about. But you can, you can be like, I can. My name's Stephanie, by the way. Nice. Right? And they're like, right. I, thanks, Stephanie. Appreciate that. Right. Um, and it's, it's always looking at the, the pros and cons, right? I've got people who call, Hey, sweet. Mostly my husband calls me sweetie. I don't care about him, but like, <laughs> you know, um, looking at the intent behind it too, if it's intended to be, you know, that's when you call it out. And there are very nice ways to do it without being an absolute prick. Right. Um, and think about it this way, you make a bigger impact on them when you do it in a way that helps them see how unacceptable that was, as opposed to making them feel bad. Because when you make someone else feel bad, our automatic reaction coming from a psychological perspective, if I start to feel bad, my automatic reaction is to go into fight or flight mode. And most of the time I land in fight mode. Most guys land in fight mode too. So when you start making me feel bad, oh, no, 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 no. We're going down. Like, come on. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear into, I'm going to come up with 30 reasons why you are so wrong, right? And that doesn't help. So if you can find a way where you're like, that's not how we operate around here. And you can help them realize that what they did was wrong without making them wrong. Then you can make an impact. And you could make an impact that could impact, like you said, their home life, every other person they're engaging with, interacting with, I mean, at a huge level. So, yeah.
2: Cool. Good advice. Um, I see your book right behind you. Yes. So, Friend Power.
0: Friend Power. How the friends you choose.
2: You can say this a lot better than I'm going to, but uh, the one thing I firmly believe in is who you have around you is who you will be. So yeah. could you, could you explain that?
0: Yeah. So our, our little tagline for the book is, um, the company you keep will either elevate or relegate your success in life. Um, they will either pick you up or they will drag you down. And this is going to come down to everything in your life from your spiritual levels to your finances, your hobbies, your, um, your business, your personal life, your relationships. I mean, everything in life is impacted by the people you hang out with. And way too often we allow ourselves to hang out with people, maybe we work with people that we don't feel like we can get away from, or we have friends that we've just been friends with them forever and you know what, we just ignore. Actually, there are sometimes when I see relationships with people where they don't even see or hear what the other person's doing that's wrong because they've just blocked it out for so long right? Like, you know, we'll use, you know, race, I've heard, you know, races where I've walked out of meetings and been like, dude, the racism, that was not acceptable. And the person's like, huh? Oh, just like, I've just learned to ignore it. And I'm like, no, (laughs) no, 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 no. Okay. That's not, and it's not just racism or, you know, sexism or any, like it is all, it comes down to how they think and talk about money. Right. If, you know, you're surrounded by people who are looking for handouts. You're constantly going to be looking for handouts. We in psychology we talk about an internal and an external locus of control. So that references whether you believe you you occur to life, right? Whether I happen to life or life happens to me whether you believe that I got in the car and I got stuck because some genius up ahead got you know, in a car accident and that's my life and this always happens to me and so I'm late for my job interviews, so I'm not gonna get the job and you know, all because some dummy got in a car accident, right? That's an external locus of control. That's giving away your control to other people, right? An internal locus of control says I should have left sooner. This job interview is important to me. I either should have left sooner or I should have not scheduled it back to back with something else that I could have left sooner. I need to do this. I'm going to call them right now and let them know I'm stuck. I'm going to, I'm going to be proactive. And so where your locus of control ends up is determined by who you hang out with. So if you hang out with people who think that they, that every, everything happens to them, life happens to them, you're going to end up believing the same. If you hang out with people who believe they take control of life and they happen to life, you're also going to end up believing the same and so that's going to impact the choices you make in relation to everything it is going to it is going to influence where you end up financially in business with your job you know have you ever noticed how the, the people hanging out around the water cooler complaining they never get promoted and they're always complaining about how the world is against them but no one wants to promote them because all they do is complain like that's what friend power is about is becoming aware of who you're hanging out with. And then once you're aware of it, doing something about it.
2: Awesome. Stephanie, we're going to have to do a part two because I still have (laughs) a million questions left and you're awesome. (laughs) Um, Where where can we find you at and all
0: your things? Your sites. Um, best best places. We have two sites you can go to. We have the company site, which is growdisrupt.com. You can see all the events we're up to. You can see we have a ton of articles on there, tons of free resources. Um, you can also go to thestephaniescheller.com, like the one and only. Um, and if you want to chat with me, you can, I mean, I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm not really, I mean, I have an account on Twitter, but I forget it exists a lot. Um, so Facebook's probably the better place to go there. Um, but if you just go to the websites and you want to chat, you can fill out either one of the forms and my team is really good. They'll get you to me within like 24 hours. Um, so I'm happy to chat, answer questions, dig deeper on any of that stuff.
2: Nice. I, oh, I appreciate it. This was, this was great.
0: Thank you. I'm so glad we connected. I, um, I have a lot of fun with this one. So thank you yeah. for creating space for this.
2: Oh, you're welcome. All right. Well, we'll do it again. Cause like I said, Perfect. there's uh, I missed half my questions, but. <laughs> we can go in depth on some others, too.
0: There we go. I love so, it. We will set that
1: up.
2: Cool. I appreciate it.
0: Awesome. Thanks Thank
1: so much, Ryan. Much. Yep. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello?